Um, is that wild, like wild turkey 2027 where they've got weeded whiskey and weeded <laughs> bourbon now? <laughs> oh, I don't think we're going to do weeded at wild turkey, but you never know. You never know. <laughs> Welcome to another trip down the bourbon road with your hosts, Jim and Mike. So grab a glass of your favorite bourbon and kick back. We would like to thank Tommy and Gwen Mitchell from Logheads Home Center for supporting this episode of the bourbon road. Find out more about their fine rustic furniture at logheadshomecenter.com. Hello, everybody. I'm Jim Shannon. And I'm Mike Hyatt. And this is The Bourbon Road. And today, Mike, we are once again in StreamYard, but this time with a very good friend. So we got Rare Bird 101, a.k.a. David Jennings from North Augusta, South Kakalaki. That'd be South Carolina for all you Northerners out there. Um, <laughs> David, how you doing, man? Doing great. How y'all? Doing really good. We're so glad you decided to drink bourbon with us tonight. You know, it's always good when you can sit down with a few bottles of a wild turkey expression and oh, amen. Uh, and chat with a fellow that has probably tasted most of the expressions that have been around in the last 10 or 15, 20 years or more, right? I've had a few, a yeah. few of them. So, so David, for all of our listeners out there, you are the end all be all for wild turkey, right? You're the man, the myth, the legend when it comes to oh, that's to wild Russell. turkey. <laughs> that's besides, 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 besides Jimmy Russell, you're the guy that has all that knowledge about wild turkey in your head, though, right? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm what they call. I, people will say expert. I say I'm not an expert, but you can call me an expert fan. Um, so I'm like a, I'm a super fan. Uh, it's just something I got passionate about a few years ago and really, uh, took a dive enough, uh, to where, you know, I started a blog and, uh, now I have a book that's out, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, but, uh, you know, really it, 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 it's total admiration. Um, you know, I'm not an employee of Campari or wild Turkey. I never have been, uh, all of this I do, uh, out of love for, you know, what I consider the best bourbon in the world. Uh, and you know, it, it's, it's just genuine appreciation. That's what it is. So we just call you a wild Turkey bullshitter then. Yeah. Well, I'm wild Turkey super fan. How about that one? <laughs> we'll <do> that. <laughs> well, David, we have had you on the show before you were actually one of our earlier guests. You were on episode six and that was well over a year ago mm -hmm. and you were having kind of a super user meet in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, I guess it's your Patreon. You get out and visit your patrons from time to time. and Yeah, that was my annual meeting. That's right. Yeah, it was great. We we really enjoyed the time with you there. And you carved out a little time for us, and we were able to record an episode. And at that time, you were just starting on your book. And we're yeah. going to get into all about what you've had going on in the last year. But one of the things that we like to do, Mike, is what? Well, I was, I was, I was getting to it. I was like, oh, man, we got to drink some whiskey here. <laughs> we like uh, to drink whiskey pretty early in the show. So the first one we want to drink is the uh, Wild Turkey, the new Bottled Bond 17-year. Yeah, the Master's Keep. Yep. It's a, it's a fantastic expression. Uh, most of the reviews have been uh, really, really you know, well, they, they, I mean, the praise has been high, I guess I should say. Sure. Um, 
for me, it was very, very high. It was top of my scale. Um, I've heard a few folks that, that aren't too crazy about it, mainly because of the oak influence. But, you know, if you don't appreciate a real oaky bourbon, this is not uh, for you. you you've, got to, uh, you've got to like some oak. And I'm, when I say oak, I mean like some serious oak. Uh, but if you like that in your bourbon, this is about as good as it gets. Yeah. Well, let's let's check it out, guys. Yeah, so that oak is uh it, it is really present there and it's uh it's kind of fragrant, right? I mean, it's kind, of, kind of a um like a potpourri. Yeah, I guess that's that's probably a good term for it. Yeah, it's got that potpourri. It's got a nice cherry vibe to it. Uh, like a burnt cherry or a cherry wood. Um Red Minute called it uh, cherry pie. I, I mean, I could see that. Um, a maybe lot a, of heavy charry kind of notes, you know. Maybe a smoked cherry pie. Yeah. Oh, now that's a good. Uh, hey, there you go. There. Yeah. Never yeah, had like a smoked one. cherry pie, but I could. I could get that. I can relate. Yeah. I, I, I get some smokiness out of it. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe it's because that oak has been, you know, it's been sitting in the oak so long. But it's got a lot of herbal, uh, like dark herbal spice to it. Um, and like maybe like some blood orange, you know, I could easily see someone pulling out tobacco and leather, uh, these types of earthier notes. Um, it's got a lot of character for how many years and, and what the proof is. And, that, you know, not to mention, you know, it's bottled in bonds. So this is all one season. You know, it's you know, it, it's uh, I mean, there's not a lot of whiskeys on the market that can compare specs or flavor wise. Well, let's taste it. You know, it's all downhill from here. You know, we we picked a, a hell of a bourbon to start with, you know. <laughs> well, you know, the the two that we're having here, and we won't talk yet about what we're going to have in the second half, but it kind of makes sense to have this one first, in my opinion. Okay. But um, maybe, maybe not. We'll find out. I yeah, guess. we'll see. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely, it. it's very similar on the palate. I think it's got a um but it's it's you're getting a little bit more spice on it i'm getting some clove and maybe some um a little bit of pepper yeah clove in there for sure someone could find you know sassafras all these types of earthy you know sweet earthy kind of licorice these types of things just you know sing in this whiskey um one thing i found is you know i enjoyed it the first time i tried it but i didn't really appreciate it till you know, a couple weeks later after I'd kind of, I someone had sent me two samples. I had the first one and then I waited a little while and had the second one. And I guess I kind of knew what I was going into. Uh, and I compared it with the original 17 year, um, which a lot of people enjoy the, uh, sure. not the, I, sh I should rephrase that the original 17 years, a 2001, um, 17 year, that's a, a duty free export type release. But, uh, when I mean the, the original 17 years, the original master's keep 17 year, that was 86.8 proof. Um, I compared the two and on the nose that they, they had a lot of similarities, but then when you hit that palette and finished, it's like my, in my opinion, the bottom bond just destroyed it. I mean, it was like, this is next level. Not that the original master's keep 17 year isn't fantastic. It is, but this is just the next level. Once you hit that palette and finish. I'm actually getting some whorehound uh, yeah. root beer candy on that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, or whorehound and sassafras kind of give you that root beer type, you know, uh, vibe. It's it's got a lot of that character to it. Um, 
those old fashioned candies, you know, the chews, the old molasses chews and things like that. Well, we know you're we know you're a good southern country boy when you know what a whorehound is, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we would uh <laughs> we would always get whorehound candy over uh uh the corner store. They had like a bag of it was like a little cardboard looking bag and it just had like a generic, you know, you, you could get like lemon drops and cherry and stuff like that and whorehound was in there. Um yeah, I like those old fashioned candies. You don't see them anymore, but like clove gum and beech nut gum and those types of things. Man, you still get that stuff. You just got to know where to go to. I guess you got to have the, 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 uh, you got to know the secret. Well, the whorehounds, you can get at Tractor Supply, I think, right? Yeah. Cracker Barrel, maybe too. Oh, yeah. Cracker Barrel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, David, you, um, started your whiskey year, uh, journey a number of years back, and you actually talk about that a little bit in your book. I think you said like six years ago, you began kind of your whiskey journey. And can you kind of give us just a little bit on how you got into whiskey and sort sure. of what was your, gateway well i mean i always appreciated you know bourbon uh jack daniels tennessee whiskey um even crown royal when i was young in college uh having a jim and coke or jack and coke crown and coke these types of things were were my favorite things to to drink more so than beer um you know uh i was never really a beer guy i mean i can appreciate a nice cold beer every once in a while but it was just never my preference um and uh, that was kind of what whiskey was to me for many, many years. It was just a mixer. Uh, and it wasn't too long ago, like you said, maybe six years ago or so, um, I was introduced to Whiskey on the Rocks from my brother-in-law. And I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought. I, I thought he was making me a mixed drink. And when he gave it to me on the rocks, I was like, hmm, that's interesting. And, and, I, and I, I liked it a lot. So I uh, went out to a bunch of liquor stores and started picking up different whiskeys, whether they were Scotch or Irish or Canadian or eventually bourbon. I, I just started trying to find the best, you know, whiskey in the world kind of thing. You know, I'm going to find the best whiskey. And you get on blogs and you buy books and you buy magazines and, you know, you're you're trying to narrow it down, you know, what what is the best. And, of course, I follow a lot of paths, follow a lot of the paths that a lot of other people that are in the uh, hobby are and now where you're we're chasing weeded bourbons and things that are popular. But I, I stayed clear from wild Turkey just because I remembered wild Turkey from my college days as being like the shooter bourbon. And uh, you know, that was kind of what you, you know, did to kind of get wasted <laughs> for the most. And uh, so I never really considered it a serious whiskey in my mind. It was kind of what I considered maybe rock gut or old man's whiskey or something. And one day at, I, I, I picked up a pint at checkout and I brought it back intending for it to maybe be a material for a, a, a laughable review. And it ended up being really good. So much so I was like, wow, this is great. And I started kind of buying it pretty regularly. And I would talk about it on Reddit. That time I was pretty active on our bourbon. Uh, and someone reached out to me and asked me if I had had dusty turkey and I went down that rabbit hole and started buying every wild turkey expression I could find in hopes of finding something similar to those dusty pours, which we all know that's not realistic with any brand. Um, But in the process, I discovered a lot of whiskeys that I loved and fell in love with the brand even more when I started researching its history. And I've always appreciated the underdog, which very much wild turkey is. Um, And 
all of that eventually just led to me writing a bunch of wild turkey reviews and putting them on a blog that I eventually shared with the world and never imagined it would take off like it did. There's a lot of people out there that love wild turkey and that are discovering that you don't have to spend a lot of money to find something very high quality. And I think that that resonates with a lot of people right now. That's kind of, and that, that's really, that's where it all kind of started with just, you know, you pick it up, you taste it for what it is and you know, it, you just, your love grows. David, how much time a day do you spend like researching or thinking or just, just doing wild turkey? What do you, what do you spend a day on that? Well, I have a Patreon uh, account and I try to keep that rather updated. Um, I feel like I need to, uh, you know, provide content and frankly, I enjoy it. So I look forward to sharing whether it's a a review or a, a new blend I'm trying or a video or whatever. I try to uh, maintain a lot more content on my Patreon than I do my blog. My blog is a post that I do once a week. And sometimes those posts I can write in, you know, a day or two. And then sometimes it takes me several days or all week, depending on, you know, what it's about and how much I need to research or how much time I need to spend on the subject or or how I'm motivated. Um, It just all depends. But, you know, I definitely spend a couple hours every day working on uh, whether it's blog posts or Patreon posts or videos, or I might just be tasting things. So I might be tasting things, making notes that I'll be using later uh, when I'm sharing things with patrons or, or, or readers on the blog. I noticed uh, yesterday you kind of teased the whiskey world a little bit and uh, you put up a post of uh, the small bottle of WB Saffle and then you have a gigantic bottle, the one, one 0.75 bottle and it i guess you made that label but it's really a blend you did at your house right yeah it i was kind of trolling instagram for a little while there um and it was amazing to see how many people actually thought it was real for a minute there um my inkjet printer prints pretty well i guess um but yeah i had you know a while back last year i came up with what i call a hack it's it's basically a a blend i came up with to imitate wb saffle uh, and I spent time on it going back and forth with the real Saffle, trying to narrow down as close as I could. And I think I, I did pretty well with that. Um, and I, so, you know, people have been aware of that for a while. And I'd made a joke a few weeks ago on Discord. Well, I was kind of I wasn't really joking. I was kind of half joking, but I was like, oh, maybe I really will do this. But I said something about, uh, you know, making a handle of Saffle. So I started going through my cabinet and I'm like, I've got a lot of. CNA picks and CNF picks. And of course, you know, I'm picking up rare breed all the time and Russell's 10 all the time. And those are the components for the blend. So I thought, well, I need some cabinet space. So let's do this. And I got out the measuring cup and I went to town. (laughs) And uh, of course, before then I had to get the bottle cleaned up. So I had to, you know, soak that and put some goof off on it to get the residue off. But I just took a one-on-one handle and cleaned it up and then rinsed it and it dried and I, you know, filled it up and printed off the, uh, Saffle label from the TTB website, sized it accordingly. And, and that was that. <laughs> but, uh, a lot of people ended up, you know, thinking it was real, but. So it, if, uh, if any of our listeners are curious about the, the recipe to make that, they just mm-hmm. go to rarebird101.com, right? And yeah. There's, there's a, a Russell's. Yeah. You can, you can do a search for hackle. 
and it'll pull up the Russell's 10 review from like November or something of last year. And it's within that post. But I mean, for your listeners, it's it's equal parts, rare breed, uh, 116.8, Russell's 10 year, uh, a CNA, Russell's Reserve CNA, you know, single barrel pick and a uh, CNF Russell's Reserve single barrel pick um, and, you know, just equal parts. So, yeah, and then feel free to tweak it or. You know, sub something out. You can't out go wrong because they're all good whiskeys, right? That's right. That's right. But yeah. I found it's a solid blend. I mean, it's it's uh, one that I make. You know, from time to time, I always have it on hand. It's one of the only blends that I actually make on a regular basis. There's no other blend I can think of that I've come up with that I keep on a regular basis. But that one I do. I was like, look at this Joker, man. He's just fooled a whole bunch of people. Um, <laughs> well, he's got what, a good sense of humor. What's inside is real. It's very much, uh, you know, real wild turkey whiskey, and it's all quality. I think I, I calculated up. It was like about $114 worth in that handle. But, I mean, you know, a sap will cost like, you know, 50 bucks, you know, a pop. So It's you know, a 375 For right? a 375 So, right. you know, you're coming out ahead of the game doing the hackle. Well, let's let's talk about your book. Let's get let's get into that. Um, so you just released American Spirit Wild Turkey Bourbon from Rippy to Russell, and that's something you're pretty proud of, right? Oh, damn proud of it. I mean, I'm I'm thrilled. Um, never thought it would be what it is. I mean, uh, my wife had mentioned to me a couple of years ago that I should write a book. It seemed like a task that you know seemed like you know foreign to me completely because I've never written a book. And I told her, you know, hey, I just, I don't know if I can write a book. And she's like, well, you write every day. So, you know, why don't you just turn that into a book? So I got to thinking about it and I'm like, why not? And so I started and I'm like, well, this isn't as bad as I thought it'd be. And you just kind of, it's like eating an elephant, you know, it's one bite at a time. And eventually I had a draft um, and I sent that off to a few people uh, just to get their opinions and fact check and this type of stuff. and. That's when I started the Kickstarter campaign that we had talked about in the last podcast. And the original intention was to just have a book that was kind of like a print on demand uh, through services like, you know, Kindle Publishing or something like that. And after the Kickstarter did so well, uh, I realized that, you know, I could take those funds and, and invest it into the book, hired Victor Sizemore, who, in my opinion, is, is the best uh, photographer in whiskey. And uh, I hired uh, Brett Atlas to copy edit, and um, I worked out a deal with Mascot Books to get something designed that would look professional. They're a hybrid publisher, so it's not a traditional publisher company, but the product they create is exactly like what you would get with a traditional publisher. So all of that worked out nicely, and I ended up with a book after a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that was a lot you know, better than what I ever envisioned originally. And I have to thank my Kickstarters and Patreon supporters uh, and all the folks that helped shape it and create it and craft it along the way. Um, very much proud of this book. And uh, I hope to keep it updated over the years. But I want to say thank you to everybody that that contributed and uh, helped me in making this happen. And, and so, David, this is this book is actually available in the Wild Turkey Gift Shop at the That's right. right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, that in that cool. I'm, yeah. I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm just so thankful of that. Uh, you just you, these kind of things you you dream about, and you never think that they'll come true. And and to see that 
a reality. Uh, it, I mean, it really, when Bo uh, had told me that, that it was being stocked, I was just, just, you know, so thrilled. So yes. Uh, and, and I think they only have a few copies left. Um, of course, uh, I'm into my second printing now. So hopefully in the next couple of weeks, uh, everybody will be restocked and people will be able to purchase online and at the visitor center and Justin's and anywhere else that the book was being sold uh, before. So just got to hang in there a few more weeks. I might have to beat Bo up for not telling me because I went over there uh, a couple weeks ago and stopped off to get this bottle of bond and Bo was in there working and he didn't see me walk in. And I told the little girl there, I said, you tell Bo I'm here to whoop his ass. (laughs) He heard me. I said it loud enough. He spun around. He's like, who said that? (laughs) Uh, uh, That was awesome. Big chief's here. Uh, (laughs) Bo was an awesome guy. I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's just as big of a wild turkey fan as me. So, uh, just a great guy. Oh yeah, he's awesome. Well, David, one of the things, one of the statements you made in your book kind of stuck out to me. You said that wild turkey embodies the essence of America. Mm-hmm. So, can you kind of tell me what you mean by that? Well, there's you can look at that from a lot of angles. Um, you know, in terms of the spirit itself, uh, as in the whiskey, to me, it doesn't really get any more American than wild turkey. I know a lot of people think Jack Daniels. They think you know, Jim Beam, because those are very popular brands that sell very well. And there's nothing against those brands. Um, I appreciate a lot of Jim Beam products and I, I particularly like Jack Daniels single barrel barrel proof. Um, and they make great whiskey, both of them. But to me, the story of wild Turkey is uh, in many ways, the story of America. I mean, you have immigrants coming, you know, to America, uh, starting a small store, turning that, you know, store uh, into a d- investment into a distillery, into many, you know, investments into distilleries, into eventually, uh, you know, falling, you know, victim to prohibition, opening it back up and uh, producing whiskey again. Um, and, you know, you have uh, a large company like Austin Nichols coming in uh, and, and purchasing the brand in the 70s. And then you have uh, the story of, the Russells, Jimmy Russell, you know, he's like the all-star American, you know, kid great at every sport he could do. Um, and, uh, you know, he signs on the distillery uh, just thinking it might just be a, a temporary job and ends up being not just a lifetime career. He's the longest tenured master distiller in the world. Um, you know, he's he's made bourbon longer than than anybody else around. He's made whiskey longer than anyone else around. Um, and he's passed that knowledge on to his son, Eddie, and Eddie has shared that with his son, Bruce. Um, you just have a lot of, of things like tradition and family, and uh, you have this, uh, this sense of uh, community there in Lawrenceburg. It just has so many elements to me that are just, you know, a picturesque kind of, you know, it's like the ideal America. It's, a, it's total Americana. And so when you take a look at Wild Turkey as a brand, to me, it just that is what I consider, you know, an iconic American brand. Now, people may not agree with me. And a lot of people always throw out, well, you know, they're owned by Campari or they were owned by Pernod or whatever. Well, I mean, you know, Jim Beam, you know, Jim Beam is owned by Suntory. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot of brands have foreign ownership. That's not, uh, you know, unusual. But that doesn't mean that the heart of the brand itself 
uh, doesn't scream America. And I think that those foreign investors want that. I think they're looking for a brand that has a genuine, authentic type of American vibe to it. And, uh, you know, if, if it didn't have that, they probably wouldn't invest in it. So, you know, it, there's so many different angles you can look at in that statement. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm looking at heritage and like I mentioned, tradition, uh, you know, authenticity. There's so many things you can you can relate uh, in my mind, you know, between Wild Turkey and, and uh, you know, the American dream, basically. If you thought about um, Jimmy and Eddie both. Have you ever looked at their, like, not just lineage, but like a coaching tree, what the master distillers and other distillers have come out of there, and now there are other distilleries. Um, one that comes to mind for me is uh, Alex Castle at Old Dominic now, and probably some lineage she took with her to Old Dominic from Wild Turkey. Yeah. Well, I've never really looked at it that way. I've, I've always kind of thought about it as, uh, you know, if you follow the trail there, uh, you know, from Mr. Hughes, Bill Hughes, who taught uh, Jimmy how to distill. He passed that on to Eddie. Um, and Eddie, you know, is now, you know, helping Bruce as well as Jimmy, you know, uh, rise up. I- I've kind of looked at that Russell lineage as kind of linear, but it sounds like, you know, maybe I'm missing. There's folks I'm sure that they've inspired and trained and 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 help, you know, like you said, send them out into the world to do their own things. And, and yes, I'm probably missing a lot of those uh, folks and I apologize for not being as knowledgeable on that as, as, as probably you are, but it would not surprise me because uh, Jimmy and, and Eddie know what the hell they're doing. So they've probably taught a lot of people some really good things. That, and, that's uh, really the only person I know. If you could pick, you know, one master distiller to work under, I mean, who wouldn't pick Jimmy Russell right now, you know? Um, it's just, uh, he's a legend, you know, and he's and kind like, of, uh, affectionately referred to as the master distillers, master distiller, right? Correct. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, the last of the living legends. He really is. Look, I just came up with your next book right there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there, someone really should write a book about some of the, uh, master distiller all-stars, you know, with, uh, you know, the Elmer T. Lee's and the Parker Beam and, and Booker No. Someone should really sit down and kind of, you know, make a a book where they highlight, you know, some of Kentucky's finest. Uh, I think it would do really well. But, you know, I'm I'm not necessarily that person because, you know, I'm so brand focused and it would be hard for me to to spend so much of my time researching each of those. But it, it's out there right for the picking for someone listening. That'd be that'd be big chief's book right there. Don't don't steal my idea. <laughs> well, go go for it, man. Do it. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, we're going to take a short break here, and uh, when we come back, we have another expression from uh, the Wild Turkey Distillery that we're gonna we're gonna sample with you, David. We'll talk a little bit more about your book and some other things you have going on. Uh, we'll see everybody when we get back. like to thank Tommy and Gwen Mitchell from Logheads Home Center for supporting this episode of the Bourbon Road. Logheads Home Center, nestled in the hills of Kentucky, is an industry leader in building handcrafted rustic furniture. Family owned and operated, they take pride in offering only the very best for their customers. The Logheads, and that's what they like to call themselves, are skilled woodcrafters who are passionate about creating rustic furniture for people who appreciate the beauty of natural wood. 
owners Tommy and Gwen don't just sell the rustic lifestyle, they live it. And you can be sure that Loghead's furniture will always be handcrafted in Kentucky by artisans who embrace the simple way of life. Loghead's rustic furniture is made from northern white cedar, a sustainable wood that's naturally rot and termite resistant. Its beauty and quality will add warmth to your earthy lifestyle for generations to come. Be sure to check out everything they have to offer at logheadshomecenter.com. And while you're at it, give Tommy and Gwen a shout on Facebook or Instagram at Logheads Home Center. listeners we're back we got rare bird 101 here with us and we're sitting down and we're drinking some whiskey and jim has forced me tonight to drink some rare breed barrel proof right oh yeah i had to reach to the monitor and twist your arm didn't I? <laughs> so tough <laughs> don't cry <laughs> oh gosh yeah so what we have uh for the second half here uh is the i guess this is relatively new right david when did this release yeah. I mean, I, I got in my bottle, I think, May of okay. uh, of this uh, year. Yeah. And so just a couple months ago, it was it popped up in Oregon and a friend of mine let me know about it and uh, magic. And I got it. So it's the new Wild Turkey Rare Breed Barrel Proof Rye Whiskey. Yep. It is 112.2 proof. It is non-chill filtered. And I'm just going to take a stab at it and say Bruce had something to do with this. I am sure he did. I mean, honestly, you know, rye for wild turkey, you know, Jimmy's not a rye fan, uh, and and he's never really been a rye fan. And Eddie's not a huge rye fan either, or wasn't for the longest time. It was really Bruce who kind of reintroduced Eddie into rye and helped shape Eddie's appreciation of it. And so you ended up with you know, Russell's Reserve Single Barrel Rye in 2013, Cornerstone coming out last year, 2019, and then you have Rare Breed Rye this year in 2020. These, you know, expressions wouldn't have existed, in my opinion, had it not been for Bruce. Um, And now I think that Wild Turkey, you know, with the exception of not really having near as many stocks as they do bourbon, uh, I think they're poised for even greater success on the rye side. It's just going to take a little bit of time for for things to mature and and and, uh, and and have some more available barrels there. But the market is growing and the demand is growing for rye. Definitely, the tastes, the palates of you know uh, whiskey drinkers in America tend to shift a little bit more in a spicy direction. I think mm-hmm. higher proof, more spice. Is that true? Yeah, think? I mean, I, I I do. I think that there's several reasons for that. Um, First of all, rye is a great whiskey for cocktails. So, and this is no secret to bartenders. Uh, you, you know, in my opinion, more often than not, you can craft a more flavorful cocktail with a rye uh, than you can a bourbon just because rye kind of sticks out. You know, it just has that that signature spice. Um, and I think that a lot of times when cocktails tend to lean sweet, which they often do, rye is a good way to counter that balance. And, and, and will actually counter the, the sweetness and introduce balance uh, through that that spiciness. Um, not not that there aren't fantastic bourbon cocktails out there. There's many, sure. many, many. But rye just has a magic to it uh, when it comes to crafting cocktails. I think people have picked up on that. 
Um, and now I think that people are, you know, I think you kind of, I know when I first tried rye, you know, straight rye, neat, whatever you want to say, uh, you know, it was like, wow, that's different. And it, it was not something that I appreciated as much as bourbon. But as time went on and I tried more rye, different rye from different producers of different mat- maturities, uh, I started really finding myself, you know, leaning to it, you know, more nights than I had in the past to where now, you know, I'd say I probably 60% of the time I drink bourbon and, and probably the other 39%, you know, I drink uh, rye and then maybe 1%, you know, I'll do scotch or something. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a lot more uh, prevalent in my, you know, uh, rotation than it used to be. Mike, what are you, 98% and 2%? <laughs> 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 I don't know. I'm I've I'm opened it up a little bit, I guess. Uh yeah, ninety-eight percent wheat and two percent anything else whiskey. <laughs> no, I, I think I probably have just as many I've got a couple bottles of rye now at the house. Um just for Jim when he comes over, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of the rye guy. I really gravitate towards the rise. Now, let's talk about rice for a minute. There are okay. different rise out there you know mm-hmm. they, you've got rise that well the 95.5 the high rye content rise mm-hmm. and then you got what they call the kentucky rise mm-hmm. and what does what does rare breed qualify as oh it's definitely kentucky rye it's like 52 percent. it's not it's not anything heavy it's it's as close to bourbon as you're going to get but still a rye you know sure uh, they call barely legal Barely um, legal or, yeah yeah and i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that jimmy's just not a big rye fan so when he, when he, you know, traditionally with wild turkey, their rye was always sourced. So it would come from Maryland or, you know, Pennsylvania or Illinois. And when Jimmy took over the rye production, which was in the 70s, you know, he picked a recipe that he could palate. And being not being a rye fan, I think that, you know, naturally that's going to be as low of a rye content as you can get and still call it a rye. Um, it's still that signature wild turkey, and that's probably from the yeast, um, but it has that wild turkey touch to it. Uh, but I think what's really interesting to me is I think this is the area that wild turkey should be growing in. Um, you know, wild turkey's bourbon recipe is is just kind of like so signature Jimmy Russell that you almost just don't want to mess with that. Like that's wild turkey's thing. You know, wild turkey just has that one bourbon mash bill, and they get their variants through you know, maturation and locations uh, of the rickhouses. That's always been wild turkey's thing. Um, but since rye is not really a Jimmy thing, I don't think anybody would, you know, have any problem whatsoever if wild turkey started introducing new rye mash bills, especially if they were like throwback, you know, rye mash bills. Like, well, this was the recipe that we used, you know, back when we were getting rye from Pennsylvania, or this is the recipe that was used with Maryland's rye. And, that, and you kind of, throw these into uh, the Rick houses for aging and pull them out, you know, six years from now, see what you get. Um, you know, and you could have some type of, you know, throwback label or something in the sky's the limit, but this is an area that wild Turkey can grow in without stepping on Jimmy's toes, you know, or legacy in any way, shape or form. So do we have an idea right now, David, what kind of their rye stocks look like and the age, the ages that are available for them to work with on their blending or whatever. I don't have a number, but you know, it's significantly less than the bourbon, but uh, it's growing because they realized 
the rye trend was happening and they started producing more rye, they essentially doubled their rye production, which is still so much less than their bourbon production. But, you know, I think that you're going to see a lot more barrels coming of age real soon. Um, The, you know, of course, you can introduce a younger rye to the market a lot easier than you can a, a younger bourbon to the market. And of course, that in this rare breed rye has four year in it. So, um, you know, if, if you had to age state rare breed rye, it would be a four year whiskey. Um, but it doesn't taste youthful. To me, it just tastes like a, a good, solid Kentucky rye with a lot of peppery kick to it. Um, it's that rare breed, that signature wild turkey boldness, as I like to call it. Well, let's let's nose this thing. Okay, let's right. do it. I've already this nosed is, it a whole whole bunch. Yeah, so this is this is for me. I have not had this before. So today, oh. right now, this is my first try on this. Well, I don't want to influence you. So you you yeah. you let me know what you're thinking. I get some. Uh, this is gonna sound funny, but I get some brownie um, from this. Some chocolate brownies. You know what? I've never gotten that in this but when you said that and this, that happens in whiskey a lot you, you throw out some suggestions and and it's all subjective and you can you can kind of integrate that into your own noses but to me i agree with you there is some type of like you know you pull the brownies out of the oven and they have that that chocolate that bitterness to it that that mm-hmm. smell it's like that bittersweet yeah totally see where you're getting that a little bit of floral notes in there that country honeysuckle coming Definitely. through a little bit yeah oh absolutely. honeysuckle i'm getting honeysuckle and i'm getting mint too yep <laughs> absolutely and and i get i get honey lemon i get like honey and lemon i get like honey lemon tea herbal yeah. tea these yeah. types of things uh i also uh in one note that i get in wild turkey's rye uh expressions a lot of times is like frosting or like vanilla icing so you get like that that sharper, not like a buttercream icing, but like, you know, your old fashioned, like cake icing where it have that zing to it. Yeah. So I get like that vanilla icing. I, I told somebody the other day, or I, we posted about another, uh, rye Jim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I posted about a rye and I said it tasted the finish on it was like a malted shake. Uh, cause it had so much malted rye in it. And, uh, some guy commented on one of the groups and he's like, you don't, ever say anything it has like a milk taste to it and i was like <laughs> that's not what i'm talking about <laughs> yeah yeah he's thinking ovaltine i guess um i guess <laughs> but uh but yeah um uh, one one thing i think to me we're and now that you've tasted it jim you might might see what i'm saying here the nose on rear breed rye is very similar to like russell's i'm sorry uh wild turkey 101 rye mm-hmm. So Wild Turkey 101 rye and the nose on rare breed rye are very similar in a lot of ways. Maybe just kicked up a little bit. But now once you taste rare breed rye, it's its own thing. I mean, it's like you've just you've just the roller coaster has now went over the hill and, you know, it's it's not stopping anytime soon. And that finish is just nice and long and peppery. Um, it has a nice, bold kick to it. Um, and that to me is where rare breed rye shines is in that palette and especially the finish. Um that's where, you know, it has its own little thing. So you got like 101 rye and you got like Russell 6 and Russell single barrel rye. And this has its own, it occupies its own little niche in the rye catalog. This actually got a little orange creamsicle. Yeah. It I get citrus on uh, wild turkey's rye all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So this is really good. It kind of races right past the front of the palate and just really kind of bold on the back end. Mm-hmm. I've, uh, I'm getting like uh, I I liked what you said about the nose that 
honey lemon kind of citrus tea. Mm-hmm. Yep. Maybe a yeah, a little bit of mint, maybe a honey lemon mint citrus tea. And when you put it on the palate, it kind of you don't get that up front sweetness. It kind of goes straight to the back, and it, it it's got that nice rounded flavor to it. I really like the. Um, I get a little bit of the oak coming through, and the yep. and the peppercorn maybe a little bit of peppercorn yeah pepper yeah i get a black pepper on it uh it, it has when you first taste it it has this super brief sweetness it's like i'm gonna be sweet oh no i'm not <laughs> it's like spice central i mean it just really and, it, and like i said it's like a roller coaster it just you know i think the example i used on my blog was that uh you know it's like somebody comes over and kicks the door in and it's like your it's like a good friend that comes in and raids your fridge and props his muddy boots up on your table i mean it's like you you love him but he's here to stay and he's 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 coming in strong you know i don't get that what either one of you are saying i guess i get that sweetness and it stays with me with a sweet spice almost like a sweet pepper uh mm-hmm. coming through i do get that sweetness that that orange creamsicle coming through and then then you like you said it kind of punches you in the back of the throat a little bit with that pepper uh, not overpowering but it's it's still the sweetness is still there actually even with a finish the sweetness is there for me yeah um, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. In different tastings, you can get different things. Different folks get different things. I think what I do is I compare it in my head to other Wild Turkey expressions. So let's say I was sipping the Russell Six Year. That's going to be a real sweet sipper. You know, it's going to be a lot of honey, just in vanilla, like, you know, pretty much from nose, palate to finish. You're not going to get a lot of spice. You're not going to get a lot of boldness. Um, so in comparison to like that, this is like, it kicks it up a notch significantly. It definitely has a kick to it. Um, yeah. And I, whenever I say I'm a weeded guy, it's more weeded bourbon and not a rye bourbon guy. But, you know, the more rye I drink and the more I taste, um, I just, I'm starting to fall in love with those, those mm-hmm. rye. Never, I'll never be, not be a weeded guy, but rye, rye whiskey though, um, especially this one's delicious. Oh, yeah. Um, it's great. Man. Yeah. So this is a little bit bolder than I expected it to be. Mm hmm. You know, that's got some youth to it. Like as far as like numbers, it does to me it doesn't come across like like cardboard or any of that kind of stuff where you have that don't don't take me wrong when I say it has youth to it as in it's got negative youthful notes. It's got that four year whiskey to it. So it's gonna have that that rye kick to it. But um uh, it's great. I love it. Yeah, it's really good. That's a sipper, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, David, can you take us through like wild turkey's history? Like, where to start and where where is it at today? So, I mean, you have essentially you have the distillery and its history, and then you have the brand and its history, and they kind of you know combine at some point, and then you involve two families like the Rippies, and then you have the Russells, and then there's several companies in between there. But the distillery that's now wild turkey distillery and i'm talking about the general location because they've had a brand new distillery built in 2011 but you know that area that spot that's known as wild turkey has been distilling whiskey for a long time in the 1800s it was known as old moore for a while uh it was purchased by james p rippey jr who basically uh ran that for several years as old hickory springs he sold it to his uh, nephews, the sons of the great distiller T.B. Rippy. His nephews named it Rippy Brothers. Um, it operated till Prohibition, closed down, opened back up as Rippy Brothers again. It was purchased by the Gould Brothers. Uh, they called it Anderson County Distilling Company for a few years, then changed it to JTS Brown and Sons. 
it operated as JTS Brown and Sons all the way up until 71 when Austin Nichols and Company, which was a wholesale grocer uh, from New York or from from Brooklyn, I should say, uh, they purchased it and uh, it became the Austin Nichols Distillery. It was purchased by Pernod in 1980. Uh, and then they changed the name of it to Boulevard, but it was still known as the Austin Nichols Distillery uh, formally. Um, they sold the Campari in 2009, and uh, now it's the Wild Turkey Distillery. Um, the brand started in the four, well late 30s, early 40s, but it didn't introduce to market until 42. And that started because an executive at Austin Nichols and Company named Thomas McCarthy uh, was fond of uh, wild turkey hunting, and he would take bourbon from their uh, storage uh, to uh, these hunting trips. And his friends would always request that he bring the wild turkey bourbon um, because that was how they were familiar with it. And, you know, light bulb went off. This is going to be a great brand. They introduced wild turkey. It becomes a a favorite among, you know, a lot of Americans, including celebrities and presidents. And, uh, and so today we still have wild turkey. Uh, It's, it's, you know, kind of changed in the mindset of the American people over time. I mean, it was, it was actually a very prestigious brand for a while. And then it, it, when the counterculture hit and bourbon took a dive, you know, it became more associated with, you know, the old man's whiskey. And then it kind of turned into the, the college whiskey. And I think now people are finally realizing that there's more to wild turkey than what what they were originally, you know, brought up to believe, you know, uh, growing up. So that's just like a real quick in a nutshell uh, there's a lot more history to it with the Rippies. There's a lot more history to it with the Russells. And there's a lot more history about Austin Nichols going all the way back to the mid 1800s. So if you want to learn about all that, you can check out my blog or uh, probably the best source is my book. And uh, you'll, you can really dig in in the book and find out a lot more about the, both the brand and the whiskey itself. Yeah. For history nuts like me, that book was just uh, it's amazing. And oh, thank you. Know, you. I, I can't wait to finish it. I'm just a nut on history, but the distillery itself is, is actually a beautiful place. Not yeah. when you drive, really drive up through the warehouses. Um, to me, it's just kind of industrial there. But once you get to the visitor center and you walk into the visitor center, it's kind of the cathedral yeah. of whiskey distilleries inside there. It's very beautiful. And then you get to overlook uh, the Kentucky river, which mm-hmm. is that's Americana itself right there. Yeah, right? When you take that bridge across the Kentucky river, you know, it's, it's pretty thrilling. Um, and you see the distillery in the distance and you're just like, oh, this is, you know, it's like your heart kind of skips a beat. Love it. Um, that drive is just, that's just killer. Now, what is that, that one warehouse that's right there down towards the river and the bridge? A. Is that yeah. A? A? A is the oldest Rick house at Wild Turkey. It's been there ever since, uh, you know, James Rippey uh, started the, uh, well, he, he bought Old Moore, but I believe he built that Rick House A when it was Old Hickory Springs. And I talked about this on another podcast. I, I love that Rick House A has all this uh, history within itself. And so, you know, you got to think about all of the barrels that have aged in there over the years and how they've all left their mark, you know, their angel share in in the wood, the bracing and all that. And, you know, so when you're in Rick House A and you're smelling, you know, those Rick House smells, you're smelling, you're literally smelling history you know that wood has you know uh, a history to it so you've written this book um do you think do you have a second idea do you have a second book in you uh well i don't want to spoil anything yet um i am working on another book right now it's not 
about wild turkey, but it relates to wild turkey in some ways. Um, it is whiskey centered or bourbon centered. Um, so more on that, you know, on another time, maybe, maybe the next time around, uh, you know, another year from now, I'll have more to tell you. Um, is that wild, like wild turkey 2027, where they've got weeded whiskey and weeded <laughs> bourbon now? <laughs> oh, I don't think we're going to do weeded at wild turkey, but you never know. You never know. So Joanne and Bruce, uh-huh. they're the new guard, right? So how do we expect uh, things to kind of change under them, do you think? Obviously, one of the things is uh, sort of the propagation of of the rye expressions but mm-hmm. what else do you expect to see out of the out of the new youth well you know it's interesting because i think that you know one of the big things and that a lot of people forget about jimmy russell you know he's he's known as this master distiller this legendary master distiller um but jimmy is the ultimate brand ambassador um you know jimmy just has a a humor to him he has a relatable quality. He can talk to anybody. He can talk to you for hours, you know. And 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 Jimmy, back when Bourbon was in the glut era and Bourbon was in the dumps, he and Booker and and, and some of those legendary master distillers like Parker and, and, and Elmer, they helped bring people back to Bourbon just by talking about it, just by meeting with people, just by going to these events, whether it was at a store or a festival. And, and these are in the times when scotch was big and, and bourbon was nothing, you know. And I think people realized that there was something, you know, to these individuals, particularly Jimmy Russell. And, you know, he got people reinterested in the booze that was considered kind of like the everyman, the working man's kind of booze. And, you know, he made it cool again. Um, so, the reason why I bring up that is because, you know, Joanne is a brand ambassador and Bruce is a brand ambassador. And I think that the responsibility is on their shoulders right now to keep people, uh, you know, interested in the brand, much like their grandfather. Um, and it's a very important job. I know a lot of people, they think of the the words brand ambassador, you know, as like, well, that's just kind of like a marketing person. You know, and, and I don't think so. I think that, yeah, there are those people out there. There are people that are just getting a paycheck. They're brand ambassadors for a whiskey brand and they're doing the gigs that they got to do. And then they go home and they could care less about whiskey like we do. OK, but, you know, Joanne and Bruce are passionate about what they do, just like uh, Jimmy. And I think that's a very important thing to have if you want to build your brand You've got to connect with people and you've got to have people that believe in their product. And what better way to show it than to have, you know, uh, these grandchildren of the most legendary master distiller in the world. I I think that shows that they relate to people. They're just normal people, right? Exactly. Um, And they're very approachable. The Mm -hmm. whole family is very approachable. You'll hear stories about Jimmy being in Lawrenceburg eating at a restaurant there and just that 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 is where they go to eat yeah it and they almost eat out all the time right so that's that's their thing um eddie's eating in town and bruce is eating in a town and so we're just normal folks just like just like you and me and there there are a lot of brand ambassadors out there you know not just not saying necessarily bourbon but in scotch or other spirits rum and such that you know you have some like i said that just kind of punch the clock and and do what they got to do and then you have some that uh they kind of come across a little bit snobby, you know, like I'm an expert and you're going to listen to me talk to you for an hour about how I know everything about there is 
uh, you know, about whiskey and, and our brand. And, you know, I think people kind of get turned off by that. They're like, I have heard all this before and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And you're not really going to get that with, with, you know, Bruce or Joanne. Like, you know, if, if you like to drink wild turkey with, with Mountain Dew, you know, or if you like a bowler maker or, you know, just a, you know, quick and dirty cocktail, they're going to be all for it. You know, heck yeah, that's, you know, you drink wild turkey how you like to drink it. You know, um, they're not going to get snobby on you. Uh, you know, they'll teach you whatever you would like to know about, whatever expression you'd like to know about, but you're not going to have some whiskey snob uh, when you talk with, with, uh, with any of the Russells. Um, they're very approachable and, uh, you know, they, they care about their brand and they care about their customers most importantly. Well, David, you know, a lot of us started out drinking uh, our whiskey, our bourbon, uh, not straight, you know, not in a not in a Glencairn, but uh, in a glass with something else in it, whether it be Mountain Dew or L81 or yeah. uh, Coke, you know, whatever what it might we do. be. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we all came through that. And there's people we've got people in our in our group now who still drink uh, bourbon and Cokes. And, you know, we did an episode recently on that because and it's one of our most popular episodes of all times. Now it may be popular because it's so unpopular <laughs> to talk about, but at the same time, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are coming through that uh, gateway, you know, mm-hmm. that gateway of, uh, of mixing and then mm-hmm. eventually finding their way to, to sipping on bourbon neat. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So, and sometimes they don't, sometimes people just like bourbon a certain way. Like they like it in coat. Or they like it in ginger ale. They're not going to change. Um, you know, I see people all the time at the liquor store buying handles of Evan Williams or 101 or whatever. And uh, they're going to go home and they're going to dump it in, you know, uh, whether it's tea or iced tea or sweet tea or, or you know, uh, ginger ale or Coke or whatever. Uh, and that's the way they like drinking it. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, a lot of us, like, they get serious about it. Like us, you know, we we move into neat. but. Uh, most of America probably does not, you know. Well, I tell you what, when it's 95 degrees outside and you're cutting grass, you got a hankering for a little bourbon, it's tough to drink it neat, right? Yeah. No, no. I, when it, it depends on what I'm doing um, and what the temperature is. But if it's real hot and I'm going to be out for a long period of time, I do love, you know, some bourbon on the rocks. There's no problem with that at all. Matter of fact, I've actually been fond lately of Long Branch uh, as a good outdoor summer bourbon. Um, because it's lower in proof, but it's not lower in age. So you get that nice, you know, eight year bourbon at 86 proof and, uh, you know, throw it over a couple cubes and, you know, yeah, the, the ice melts and that kind of thing. But if you're just out there just sure. playing with, you know, the, the family or the grilling or whatever, it's just fine. You know, has a wild turkey kind of walked away from Matthew McConaughey? I haven't seen his commercials on. I mean, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's still involved. He is the, uh, you know, the creative director for the brand. Uh, last, you know, he they had a uh, charity event last year uh, where they uh, gave back to first responders, and he was there for that. Um, he's just not as high profile as he was, say, in 2018, because that was the long, launch of uh, Long Branch. Sure. And so, you know, you saw him everywhere for a period of time there. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, I'm not privy to all that. Uh, you know, that's, that's some big money and some, uh, big contracts, I'm sure. But, uh, from what I understand, he's still, you know, definitely involved in the brand. He had the talk Turkey series, uh, end of last year as well. The, the YouTube series called, uh, talk Turkey. 
Uh, you got to check it out. Uh, maybe maybe it's just the COVID that is kind of slowed everything. The COVID down. is slowing everything down. I mean, it, it really is. It's messing with every brand, not just Wild Turkey. I, I love the guy because he, you know, he's a Texas Longhorns fan. Yeah. <laughs> I say hook him horns. He, and I love that he still uses all right, all right, all right. Yeah. When I think of McConaughey, I don't, I don't think Wild Turkey. I just think, you know, uh, like, you know, True Detective and, and uh, movies that I've been fond of. I, to me, he's very much an actor. Um, but I think it's cool that he's not just, he's not just making commercials where he's just like sipping it and going, you know, Hey, wild Turkey, you know, he's, he's involved in, uh, different aspects of the brand, uh, particularly shaping his own expression long branch. So well, I'm, I'm certain that he's brought a few young ladies to bourbon. There's no doubt about it. You know, I, it, it would not surprise me at all if, if the numbers have gone up thanks to his effort. Right. <laughs> I think they're buying more. What's that car that, that. That car he does the commercials of all the time. Lincoln. 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 I, I'm sure, Lincoln I'm sure he's sold a few Lincolns too. <laughs> One of my favorite. Have you ever seen the uh, Jim Carrey parody commercial he did for Starrant Live where he did the Lincoln commercial as Matthew McConaughey? I have not. No. Oh man, it's gold. You got to try. I, I would I would try to do it for you, but I'm just not that talented and I would ruin it. So if anybody's listening, you know, check it out on YouTube. I'm sure you can find it. It's, it's, I'm a, it's hilarious. I'm find that. Oh, it's great. It, he nails it. Well, David, it's been a pleasure to have you on again. You know, you. Um, it's always great to drink some wild turkey expressions, especially with you. You're such a wealth of knowledge. We'd like to give you the opportunity to to let all our listeners know where they can find you, where they can find your blog, where they can find your book, what you have going on, your Patreon, anything you'd like to let them know about now. Uh, please do. Okay. Um, well, my blog is rarebird101.com. And on that site, you will find plenty of wild turkey reviews. You'll find articles about history of wild turkey uh, and some other things like how to decipher bottle codes and such. Um, I have a Patreon uh, account, which is patreon.com slash rarebird101. If you're interested in getting a lot more information from me, because I try to post on Patreon, you know, about every other day or so, as opposed to my blog, which is once a week. I also interact with the community on Discord through Patreon. Uh, if you're looking to talk to uh, turkey fans about expressions or sh- share your recipes for blends or pictures or stories or whatever, we're always talking to each other every night. Um, I have a Twitter account, which is at rbird101, and I have a Instagram, which is at rarebird101. And uh, I'd love to talk to you. If you have any questions about wild turkey or just want to chat, uh, you can reach me. You can DM me, uh, email me through my website, uh, and I'll be happy to to answer your questions or, or just talk turkey. All right. Well, David, we, we certainly uh, have enjoyed your time here with us. I've been a longtime patron of yours. I've also. Yes, I appreciate uh, that. Yeah. I love the content you put out on your, to your Patreon people. It's, it's really wonderful. Your blog is always a must go to, no doubt about Thank it. You. As far as we go, we're uh, the Bourbon Road. You can find us on uh, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all at the Bourbon Road. We have a private Facebook group. So we got the Bourbon Roadies. It's uh, it's growing every day. You can join our group. It's right around 750 people right now. You got to answer three questions. Are you 21? Do you drink bourbon? And do you agree to play nice? Uh, we just don't tolerate any rudeness in there. We say your bourbon your way. Um, it's your bourbon road. Well, you drink it how you want to with Coke, 
ginger ale, you know, like one, whatever you're going to put in a Mountain Dew. So we do have master distillers in there. We've got uh, industry leaders that will answer your questions. Always somebody in there saying something. Uh, join our group. If you're listening to this episode right now and you haven't subscribed, scroll up, subscribe to, to our podcast for whatever app you're using to listen to us on. And please leave us a review on whatever you're listening to. That's what opens the doors. That's how we get to talk to guys like Rare Bird 101. Those reviews help us out. You can find me at One Big Chief. I'm Jay Shannon 63, and you be sure to check us out every week, guys. We're putting out at least two episodes. We do a short format episode every Monday where we review a craft distillery. And on Wednesdays, we have our long format. We bring a guest on like David, and we chat with them uh, in detail. We do also have a website, thebourbonroad.com. We invite you to come in there, check out our blog. Mike writes most of them. He does a pretty good job. And uh, you can listen to the podcast there. You can also communicate with us. We do have our merch on there as well. We do have some Glenn Cairns. So if that's something you'd like to pick up, please, we invite you to do so. And uh, we will see you down the Bourbon Road. appreciate all of our listeners and we'd like to thank you for taking time out of your day to hang out with us here on the bourbon road we hope you enjoyed today's show and if so we would appreciate if you'd subscribe and rate us a five star with a review on itunes make sure you follow us on facebook twitter and instagram at the bourbon road that way you'll be kept in the loop on all the bourbon road happenings you can also visit our website at thebourbonroad.com to read our blog listen to the show or reach out to us directly we always welcome comments or suggestions. And if you have an idea for a particular guest or topic, be sure to let us know. And again, thanks for hanging out with us.